When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Lowdown with Brave Mama. It is Steph Thompson, your host here, and we're going to start this week with a little bit of a funny one for you. So last week we spoke with Rietta Bookshire and in the introduction we kind of shared the whole premise of filling your cup and lighting you up. And I think our production team, as we were working on putting together this episode for you, I kind of thought, oh, hang on a minute, did we get that a bit mixed up? Was that introduction meant to be for this week? And we had a little bit of a giggle because just as it turns out, the episodes are overlapping last week and this week. It's generally not that way, but it's just how it's turned out. So today we have invited a very good friend called Kath, who is a women's pelvic floor physiotherapist. She also has created her online community for prenatal and postnatal women, all things pelvic floor. Kath also has her own podcast which I would definitely recommend checking out. Tune in and listen to her journey. As a woman who knew nothing about childbirth, she just knew that she loved being around pregnant women at 20 years old studying physiotherapy. She never really thought at that point in time that it would lead her to the career where she is right now, the career of helping women just like you with your pelvic floor in a face-to-face space and on an online space, she does this because it lights her up. It not only fills her cup, she actually really loves genuinely helping women. It is so promising to see there are more and more women in this space helping other women. And you know what? The reason why we speak to multiple women's pelvic floor physios, it's to give you choice. It's to give you the ability to say, hey, I feel like I'm aligned with that lady. I'm going to check out her website. I want to listen to her podcast or I want to see their app. That lady seems to have more of a, an alignment with me. We've got some good synergy. This is why we bring you a number of different pelvic floor physios and online programs so that you have the options to go and choose what works best for you. Now grab your cuppa and let's sit down and enjoy this conversation with Kath. Welcome, Kath. It's been a little while coming, so it's such a joy to have you join us on the podcast today. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. It is lovely to chat. So look, I know a little bit about your journey and you are a mom of three beautiful children. How about you share with us who was Kath before becoming a mama? Oh, such a good question because, you know, it's it just your whole concept of motherhood totally changes when you become a mother, doesn't it? So yes, I've got three gorgeous 
daughters, three girls, and my oldest is nine, my youngest is four, and my journey to motherhood. I think it's sort of very much linked with what I do today with my work. It's really interesting because in terms of work, I always loved, I've loved women's health right from being a young 20 year old I had no idea about pregnancy and you know postpartum but I was in all those Pilates classes as an elective at university as a physiotherapist I just love bouncing on balls with the pregnant mums and chatting (laughs) about babies and even though I had no idea as a young 20 year old I think when you start off, uh, most physiotherapists, when they start off their uni career, they think, I'm going to go into sports physio. That's all I'd really ever heard of. But I soon discovered one of my first jobs out of uni was doing sports training with the local footy club. So that involved, you know, taping ankles. And I soon realized when I was massaging these sweaty hamstrings on the football field at halftime, I was just like, this is so disgusting. (laughs) And I'm not that keen on sports physio after all. So I was delighted to, yeah, discover women's health. And I've always worked in women's health. My journey did take on a bit of a different tangent. I did quite a bit of neurophysio, so neuro rehab after strokes and head injuries, but I've always worked part-time in a women's health clinic. I never wanted to let that go. I'm curious to ask, during your (laughs) university training as a physiotherapist, how much of that content taught you about pelvic health? And women's pelvic health. Well, I guess that's where my journey into motherhood, not much, I guess, as an undergrad physio. Yes. If you're listening to this today and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I've got pelvic health concerns. I need to go see a physio. You don't want to just see a general physio because it's a whole different area of postgraduate training. So generally they do need a bit of experience under their belt. So 10 years ago, even though I'd been working in a women's health clinic, I've been doing lots of you know, Pilates for pregnancy. I hadn't done my training in the pelvic floor rehab. Okay. So I was pregnant with my first baby and it was a great pregnancy. My second pregnancy is a different story, but my first pregnancy, I was really lucky, you know, go for walks. I didn't have any aches or pains. Great. I was a bit oblivious to it all. I was like, this is great. You know, pregnancy is easy. (laughs) I'm all good. So I considered myself quite strong and quite fit. Yes. And hence, when I had my baby, also I've got to be careful when I talk because it was considered, you know, textbook. Like I was pretty lucky. It was quick. I had no pain relief and it was pretty traumatic, but not in the sense of on my body. Does that make sense? It was textbook. Sure. Okay. So when I was going home, I then discovered you know, I had been fit and considered myself like cruising through all this. I was like, yeah, I know so much about pregnancy. Of course, but of <laughs> course then, you would, right? Being in that field, you would think I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I've got I, this. I teach people how yeah. to do this. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Totally. Thought I had it all figured. So it came as a bit of a rude shock when I, I got home and I and my first warning signs when it came to my pelvic floor was I was like, okay, I need to get started with my pelvic floor exercises because, you know, being a physio, I know all about them. Yes. And then I was trying to lift my pelvic floor and I thought, oh my God, what pelvic floor? It's not happening. I don't have any pelvic, I don't have any pelvic, what's happened to my pelvic floor? So I had no sensation. I I didn't have no sensation of a pelvic floor lift for quite 
a while. And that was probably my first warning sign in hindsight. Like days. But anyway, still for the first few days, definitely up to a week. And then I started to feel gentle lifts. Do you think that's because you're still numb after? from birth even though your birth was unmedicated the experience of birth it was probably numbing right oh 100 percent. everything's stretched it's not just your pelvic floor like mm. the pelvic floor is amazing this whole area around your vagina and your perineum it's these muscles can stretch up to 300 percent their resting length wow. so if we think about a ham it's amazing right they're perfectly built for the job so to speak because if a hamstring was to tear don't quote me but i think it's at a it tears at about 20% its resting length. So it doesn't have a great capacity to stretch beyond its normal resting length, whereas pelvic floor muscles can stretch up to three times their length. But it's not just the muscles that stretch, it's the nerves, it's a fascia, it's a soft connective tissue. So in my case, yes, I do think there was some stretch of the nerves Mm -hmm. um, and the muscles and everything. And that's why for me, activating the pelvic floor is really challenging. Yes, and that would make total sense, of course. So after that, what was your first, I know you talked about not being able to do the lift and then you were able to feel a little bit of a lift. What happened next? Yeah, so I was like, okay, I I knew my pelvic floor was weak. You know how hindsight's a lovely thing. I remember Mm -hmm. we moved house, as you do, (laughs) when our baby was a few weeks old. Yes. And... I remember my mother-in-law came over to help because we were literally moving it from one apartment to a townhouse, which was 200 metres away. Oh, wow. So we still got a removalist. We didn't have much, I think, you know, in those early days of marriage, like we didn't have much furniture. Anyway, I remember helping my mother-in-law move a table at like a week postpartum because I felt good in my body. But I knew my was was shot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, and you know, my pregnancy being great. And I was like, yeah, I've got this. And I was just, I was silly. (laughs) I was silly. And I should have known better. Anyway, still, it was fine. I was getting my pelvic floor strength back. But what really hit home was two weeks after giving birth, my friend hadn't met my baby before and she said do you want to go to the local cafe I'd love to see you I'd love to meet your baby and I was proud to show off my newborn baby so we decided to meet at my local cafe so that was literally only a 15 minute walk away for me like during pregnancy I've been walking a good hour no issues so I thought 15 minutes walk no worries two weeks postpartum easy so off I trotted with the pram I was up a hill I went to the cafe I sat at the cafe, we had our coffee, it was a good two hours or whatever. I walked home, I had no milk, so I quickly went to the IGA, which was on the way home, picked up the milk, picked up some bread, put it under the pram, and off I was walking back home. So at this stage, it was perhaps about three hours later. And I'd been up against gravity, you know, that whole time. So although I wasn't standing and walking, I was still sitting and up against gravity. And if we think about, uh, I'll continue with my story. Going, you're, you're kind of wearing two hats here aren't you like mummy mummy journey hat and then physiotherapist hat it's good it's all good oh, I love it because it's more insightful oh, so, yeah it's like I'm trying yeah I'm telling my story but I'm like physiologically this is not what happens to me it's hard it's so, hard I'm walking home 
And I suddenly feel like I said to my husband, I was like, I feel like my guts are falling. It was, it was horrible. I felt like my pelvic floor, I felt like this heaviness on top of my pelvic floor, this sensation that I had a ton of bricks sitting on top of my muscle. And just, it wasn't a vaginal lump or bulge, which is also a symptom of prolapse. It was just this extreme, like I felt almost like I needed to hold myself mm. to stop it all falling down. Do you know what, Kath? I love that you said that because I think women find it so hard to find the, the particular words to describe what it feels like. I mean, often women refer to the bulge and the lump out of the opening, but the feeling inside that I've heard, you've probably heard it too, words like dragging, heavy. But mm. what you just said about a ton of bricks is perfect because I feel that like I'm carrying, I call it a wrecking ball. <laughs> it's not just your bladder or your prolapse. It mm. actually feels like a heavy, solid thing that you're trying to hold in your body, right? Mm. Wow. So you told your husband and then what was the next step? <laughs> well, that was, it was a real shock. Like that for me, that was like, it all came home. Like I was like, I've just had a baby. Like my pelvic floor muscles and not just the muscles, everything is stretched like an elastic band. And we want that natural recoil to occur as much as possible. Yeah. So if we are suddenly up against gravity, and I know I wasn't walking much, but I was still, if you think about your pelvic floor being on stretch, like an elastic band, and for three hours, I was leaving it on stretch and gravity had its way. Yeah. And I didn't allow that natural recoil to occur so I did go home I lay horizontal I put up my feet and symptoms did subside and I know I'm really lucky saying this because I know. Uh, I know like I know yours is a different story and sometimes it's not just a it's an easy matter of oh just lie down and your prolapse sure. will disappear yes. because it's not as simple as that and sometimes like depends what's happened to the structures inside your body so I am very aware that I'm talking to you, Stefo. But this is your um, but, story. Don't feel bad about that because this is yours, Kath. It's totally fine. You don't have to consider everyone else at the same time. People are interested to know what your experience was. So go for it. And, and also why I share it is because I do feel these six weeks, it's not a magic number, six weeks, but these first few weeks after birth are so integral in our recovery. Yes. And I think as women and mums and we like what I, I was used to doing everything, you know, I was working full time, like to suddenly have to stop once you have a baby, you don't think your baby's going to stop your life, right? Until you have a Until baby. It does. But this whole concept of allowing our body to rest and recover, I think it's almost a bit of a foreign concept in our society. In yes. some cultures, the only woman, the woman's only job is to be in her hut and the rest of the village chips in and brings the food and she just has to feed her baby and sleep. Whereas our society at two weeks postpartum, our partner probably doesn't have any parental leave left. We might be at the supermarket pushing a trolley with one hand, holding a toddler on the other yes. hip. Like, yes. Yeah. So th this is why I share the story, not to say, you know, boohoo, look at me, but it's just to highlight how there's a lot out of our control as a new mum. Yes. But this first six weeks, there are some things which we can perhaps do that might help our recovery. And I want to talk about that some more because obviously with your experience in physiotherapy and lived experience, you're about to educate us a whole lot on that. 
what I want to also ask just a little bit more about you is that then you had two more girls after that, knowing that you had a prolapse. Did you, were you able to self-diagnose or did you yourself need to go and see a specialist to get a prolapse diagnosis? Oh, I love that question. I am probably due for a, I, can, I do self-diagnose. Yeah, well, <laughs> Absolutely. If you've got the skills. So after that point, this is when I decided not to work in the hospital job anymore. And I was like, this, right, uh, this is the tangent I want my life to become. I've always loved work as a women's health physio. So I wanted to do more work in this area. I went on to do the postgraduate training in pelvic floor physio. Okay. So for those that don't know, this is when we go back to university and we don't just learn the theory about how to assess pelvic floor muscles. We actually practice on each other. So okay. I was sitting next to my colleagues, <laughs> having lunch with them, going out for a drink with them, whatever it may be. And yeah. we were doing vaginal examinations on each other. So okay. I still, and I think it's important to, I think that's why you, uh, hopefully you find your public floor physio is very empathetic to how it feels to have a pelvic floor assessment because I remember distinctly for the first time lying down there with my pants off, you know, a towel over, draped over my pelvis, knees open, like with my colleague about with a gloved finger about to give a vaginal examination. So I remember how that feels and yes, you do feel very, very vulnerable, but I think that also helps us as clinicians to become better clinicians. Amazing. Amazing. So I was lucky. I said to them, I'm a bit worried about my pelvic floor. Can you check for a levada evulsion and check the signs of prolapse? Yeah. <laughs> and they did. So it was very, it was helpful being able to determine Assess. that. Yeah. So it was a pelvic floor assessment. So that, and I have done one since as well as a formal pelvic floor assessment where I've gone as a patient. I think okay. it's important. I think we all need to, I don't think anyone should. Yeah. I think even as pelvic floor physios, we need to get ourselves properly assessed. Well, if you think about it, I know this is like nowhere near a comparison, but a hairdresser, an amazing stylist, generally gets someone else to cut their hair. I mean, they could do it themselves, <laughs> but if they want something a bit different or thorough at the back, that's what you do. You go and see a professional. So during yeah. that examination with your colleague who you've just had lunch with, um, <laughs> were they did they diagnose you with prolapse from that first birth what seemingly was an an easy what's that easy delivery uh, a textbook delivery that's the word I was looking for yeah so this is where the diagnosis of prolapse it has changed over the years yeah. so a diagnosis of prolapse these days is not technically a prolapse unless you have symptoms so you might have someone assess you and say, yeah, like often people go for a pap smear and their doctor yes. does a quick assessment. They're like, yeah, you've got a prolapse. And then the person freaks out and goes, like, oh my God, I've got a prolapse, but they have no symptoms. Okay. So th they have adjusted the guidelines lately because they've found that all women have a level of movement in their pelvis and it's quite natural. And after having a baby, we probably all do have more movement than yeah a woman who hasn't had a baby so I think it's really good to know is that just because your body isn't exactly the same way as it was before having a baby it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it nothing necessarily needs to be fixed it's just your body movement just like when we get older our our face wrinkles become yeah. a bit more pronounced and our boobs <laughs> might become a bit more saggy just yep. like that our, 
organs inside our body might also have a bit more movement and bounce and (laughs) yeah that's a really good way of visualizing it I think you know when people do think oh I've got a prolapse that means it's the end and I'm so broken it doesn't have to be and I think learning along the way a lot of women say oh I've been assessed as anywhere from a stage one to a stage three it's really frustrating I don't know where I'm at but I I don't know how you feel about this I always say don't get fixated on the number because if yep. you go to one person and they say you're a stage two, you might think, oh, I might be able to get it to a stage one and you do all that work. And then someone else might say it's a stage three. But if you feel good, mm. like if those symptoms are subsiding and it's not bothering mm. you, forget the number, right? Yep. And that's right. And those numbers will change depending on what time of day it is, what mm-hmm. positions your assessment. Is it lying or standing? Is it morning or evening? So yeah, it's you're exactly right. Focus on the symptoms. And I think that's the best advice if you've got a prolapse. Like I had a patient who was 90 and she had the probably the biggest prolapse that I had seen yes. as a physio. And she wasn't if she wasn't a candidate for surgery because okay she was too old and other pre-existing health conditions so her gynecologist referred her to me and she was a beautiful lady she had like a vaginal bulge and I asked what her symptoms were we did an in-depth thorough assessment so during this assessment we ask questions about how they're functioning we question ask questions about bladder bowel sexual function the works just to get a really good overall picture and as a clinician I never make any assumption about someone's sexual function yeah I just it doesn't matter how old how young they are I ask are you sexually active to then determine if need to ask further questions for example is sex painful that sort of Of thing anyway this darling lady I asked, are you sexually active? She said, oh, yes, Catherine. This is how I I, I need to make sure I have sex every second day because that pushes my prolapse in and then I don't feel the bulge and I can just do everything I need to be able to do. You know, I just carry on with my day. So she's my husband. Yeah, he... (laughs) So that was her management strategy for her prolapse at the age of 90 or 95, whatever it was. Like, it was amazing. I was blown away. I was like, good on you. You know, she, she's not letting it stop her. She's just doing bless. what she needs to. Yeah, and bless. I think exactly. Quite often women are told that, right? I was told that. Oh, just have sex and it'll all get pushed back up in. But you often think, well, is it going to burst your bladder? There's silly things you think. And you think, oh, is it going to cause more damage? Is your partner going to feel it is a massive stressor for women. Is it, is it going to feel different for them? Is it going to feel bizarre? Are they going to hate it? And I'm not going to be attractive and, you know, snowballs into a whole lot of stuff. What I find if that was given as advice, which it was for, for me, is that it's not the solution. I love that that was your, your patient's yeah. journey. And she could do that because how sad, Kath, that she's lived with that for probably a really long time. And mm. has had to live in silence and had to find mm. a way to be able to function. Yeah. And I was about to follow that up. If you're listening, don't feel you have to have sex every few days. Like that's not, that's, that was just her story. Yeah. And if you don't want to have sex, like you, you just do you. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Course. But having said that, if there, if you do have those concerns that you did talk about, that's when a, an individualized pelvic floor assessment will be really helpful because there are also some things on the market that can help if there is discomfort or your cervix has dropped a bit lower. There are some things on the market that might help to make 
intercourse more pleasurable or whatever it might be. So yeah, have a chat to your healthcare provider. Do you mind if we talk about that some more? I know that's kind of leading down a tangent, but I know that women listening right now are too scared to ask about sex and prolapse because it's an extra layer of shame. It's an extra layer of embarrassment because they want to be sexually active. And like I said, have fear that it will feel uncomfortable or for them, for their partner or for themselves, painful, which it can let, and I know that we, you know, we've kind of danced around your journey a bit, but now Kath is the women's health physio. You do this day in and day out. What are some of the things that women can use to be able to feel comfortable within their own body and be able to have sex? Well, I think this is when we need to take a step back and find out where is the discomfort coming from. Okay. So I think that's really important because that could be a range of different things. So it might be that there's pelvic floor overactivity and pelvic floor tightness. So there's some muscle tension and there's some treatment options for that. It might be that the cervix is sitting low. And in that case, there's a product on the market called the O-Nut. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So it looks like a donut that yep. your partner might put around their base of their penis to stop the deeper penetration and then it helps with their sensation and it helps their penis to stop banging up against your cervix so to speak so yeah yeah, it can help both parties both the the male and the female so that's a really great option but as I said it does really depend on where is the pain coming from Mm. and I think uh, you know I could suggest all the things but I think that's where that individualized assessment really does help. I was going to say that, yeah, it's not one size fits all because all of our vaginas are different. All of our bodies are different and all of our prolapses are very different. So having Mm. that person that you can trust and talk to about this stuff who can assess you as an individual and help you as an individual is really important. But I just wanted to just cover that off a bit because it might just plan to see, like someone may now, as they're listening, go and Mm. Google O-Nut because they've never heard of it. And I love that because I think that can plan a seed for potentially they can then go and see their professional team and say, hey, I've heard about this. Talk to me about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would, it, would it work for me? And I think that's the whole idea of our podcast is to just peel away the taboo and the shame so that women can say, I want to have sex again. This is my prolapse. Help me. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> So you go a, bit, a little bit above a women's health physio and clinic though, because you also have programs for women pre and postnatal. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So there were two moments in my personal journey that made me realize I wanted to develop this program. Firstly, as a physiotherapist, I would see a lot of women in the clinic once they'd already developed the issues. So whether or not it was pelvic health issues or aches and pains or yeah, getting it back into running a bit too soon or without the appropriate rehab once they'd had a baby. And I was thinking there's so much more that we can be doing proactively. If I had a dollar for every time a woman had said, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner or I wish I'd known about this sooner. Bingo. (laughs) Your hands up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. So that's exactly why I developed it because I could just see a huge need to helping to inform early and even just helping women identify symptoms early or nipping any issues in the bud early rather than helping it to develop. So that was one thing. And then secondly, as a new mum, you know, I loved going out and doing Pilates classes and going for walks, but suddenly I found it really hard. Yeah. You know, 
packing up the nappy bag and and then I would pay for this class and I'd go and do it and then my baby would cry the whole thing so I'd end up yeah, I know, feeding and I'm like, oh, that's a waste of 30 bucks or whatever it might be. So I soon realized, I think there's a time in every woman's life where home-based workouts, unless you do something at home, it just doesn't happen. I know I found that personally. And then especially the more children you get, unless you do 10 minutes while they're all running around you causing havoc, it just ain't going to happen. So that was the second reason. And then third reason was during my second pregnancy, after having such a great first pregnancy, I then, with my second one, developed really bad pelvic girdle pain. So I had an 18-month-old toddler. It was excruciating, debilitating for a couple of weeks. Wow. So much so that I struggled to even go back to the clinic where I worked for treatment. I remember I went once for some treatment. I had to take my toddler because there was no other care. She's running around causing havoc, pulling stuff off the shelves. I'm trying to relax and, you know, get massage. I was like wrestling her into the car seat. She had a tantrum with a seatbelt. And I arrived home after this treatment session thinking that was horrible. (laughs) So my program, not only does it provide the pregnancy Pilates and yoga and, and postnatal Pilates and yoga, but it's also got the pelvic girdle pain friendly. It's not always about we need to exercise and, you know, work out. It's more about, yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of movement is medicine. And sometimes if you're a mum who's really a pregnant mum, who's really achy, all you might need is a few beautiful stretches that you can do to help you feel better and manage your day a bit easier. And if you're a sleep deprived new mum, who's been up all night with a teething baby, you don't necessarily need to go and do a hardcore workout and you don't want to deplete your body even further. So that's when a short workout at home that again involves some nourishing movements can really help how you feel. So that's what my program is all about. It's not about losing the baby weight. It's just about helping to nourish our bodies so that we can have an amazing pregnancy and afterbirth recovery. Because we know, right, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And I know that's such a cliche that's kind of all over social media at the moment, but it's so true. You can't give to a new baby the way that you want if your body's aching. If you're in pain, giving anything to anyone is really hard. So doing Mm. that day after day after day after day is, you know, it'll wear you down. So I love that. Mm. So tell us the name and how you came up with it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh I hated finding a name I found that really stressful <laughs> and I keep thinking I'm gonna have to rebrand it's called fitness mama so f-i-t-n-e-s-t so it's all about nesting and creating a beautiful nest and environment m-a-m-a and I've got a podcast so if you want to come and check out the podcast there's some great episodes with other health professionals too so yeah you're you're smashing through those episodes close to what 50 in this season like so much knowledge so much experience (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to rebrand I love that name because that the meaning of that of mums being fit within that nest in that village that seems to be non-existent anymore like Mm. everyone's kind of saying it takes a village to raise a child but where the heck is my village I don't know what that is I've exhausted my poor mum you know used her so much there's just no you need to replenish her as well so having a nest is a beautiful thing it's a great name no thank you (laughs) and you're right with the whole village side of things I think yes we need that face-to-face support absolutely and you need as much that mother's group and all those community aspects but having an 
online village, I've been surprised at how I feel like women in some ways open up a bit more with an online village. There's a little bit more perhaps anonymity. Is that the right word? Yes. And people are really open and supportive inside our private Facebook group. And it's been a real surprise of the benefits of that online community. So I know it doesn't replace that face-to-face, but it's, it's yeah, beautiful. I hear you. I've, there's so many times even my own sister has said to me, why didn't you tell us about this when, when you first gave birth? Why didn't you talk about it? And I would say, because I didn't, I didn't have the words to explain something I didn't even understand. I didn't know about mm. prolapse. How can I say I didn't even know what the word was until I started typing it anonymously in a Word document? Then you're like, oh, that's what that is. And I think probably the women in your online group feel that they can process their own thoughts when they're typing in a message. Hey, does anyone have experience with girdle pain or something? Whatever it is, they do have that level of it's not in your face. Mm. No. And I think that's another reason why these podcasts are fantastic. The fact that you're telling your story, it's just getting the word out there. And I think podcasts have been instrumental at really helping getting, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful mode of communication. I love it. I agree. I think for anyone who's probably walking around Woolies or Coles or wherever you are located, even we've got a lot of listeners in the States as well, who pop their e-pods in like you've got and just walk around the supermarket listening to this podcast because there is no shame in taboo no one knows what you're listening to but you're learning how to have better sex how to live your life better how to feel good again and education is key and when we know Mm. better we can do better we know that so just before we kind of wrap things up I do just want to go over if people wanted to join your online program does it work in like a 12-week block or is it continually ongoing like how does it work Yeah, great question. So it's monthly or six monthly. Some people just want to dip their toes in. There's a seven day trial, so really low cost. So dip your toes in, come and join, see if it's for you. And yeah, it's, I didn't want to have like massive commitment or anything like that if you're not ready for it. And I know some people even just want to do a quick month before they then get back to the gym or yes, yeah, whatever it might be, quick month before they give birth or yeah. So do you just, is it a continual thing where, or do you have like an intake of new mums who are just newly diagnosed with prolapse or pre or post pregnancy, I guess? Yeah. Good question. It's, it's open all the time because okay. I know, good. yeah, sometimes people just need it now. So it's got the live and on-demand classes. So if you can't make the live classes, yep. you can just catch up. There's hundreds in the member hub, but it's also got the preparing for labor resources. So we learn about you learn about perineal massage, so how to prepare your pelvic floor for birth. We talk about pushing techniques, active birth techniques, but then it takes you right through to a return to running program as well. Okay. So it's got everything you need. So I've got women who are 12 months, 18 months, two years down the track in the program because they're still finding workouts really helped challenge them and they're still feeling it getting stronger so Amazing. I was sweating out I just did a workout before we jumped on this call I was, <laughs> I was sweating too so yeah you know I'm five years postpartum four years postpartum so yeah yeah well that's good that people can just come and join wherever they are on their journey and I will put all the links to the show notes of how to find you is your website the best way or social media uh, either or. So it's all F I T N E S T M A M A dot com or at Fitness Mama or the Fitness Mama podcast as well. Beautiful. And I love that you've got a podcast too, because the more conversations <laughs> we can have, Kath, with women in a non 
confrontational way. So I would like, I always say to women, just think about it like sitting down and having a cup of tea with me in my kitchen, because those conversations are so important. I couldn't have them with my mum. I didn't feel comfortable ever talking about my pelvic floor sex, uh, whatever, with my own mum. I want to change that for my go. And I would love for you to finish off with this. What would be your number one piece of advice for women who think they have prolapse or have lived with prolapse? Oh, can I do two quick pieces? Of course. <laughs> yes, please. Do as much okay. as you like. I'm, I the love first, it. The first one would be just go and seek help find someone who you trust you know just find someone either local to you if you're not sure who's local to you send me an dm on instagram at fitness mama and i can help to link you in with your local physio perfect and just find someone that you trust this is what we do this is our bread and butter we talk about prolapse and vaginas all day the second piece of advice would be you have a prolapse but it doesn't define you so finding what lights you up and finding some goals that you can work on to help you live the life that you want to live without letting prolapse stop you. I know everyone's got different types and symptoms, but that's why one, seek treatment, but two, think about what do you want to be doing in life? Like what are your goals in 12 months time, two years? And then let's think about some really small stepping stones. What can you do today to help you feel better, to help you feel better inside out? So don't let it stop you and let's get moving. Movement is medicine. Let's release a few of those endorphins, those feel good hormones. Like it all just helps. (laughs) For those, if they are not watching this back on YouTube, but listening to the audio, my head is about to fall off. Is this on YouTube? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well, we don't have to, but my head is falling off with (laughs) nodding. Everything you just said, Kath hits home so hard very often I will be have dms on instagram and women would say how did you fix your prolapse and I have to say I haven't I'm exactly the same where I was Mm. six years ago is where I am now I still have a stage three four three compartment prolapse can't wear a pessary find it hard to stand and walk for 10 minutes I'm just like you but then they're kind of like what but you look okay And exactly what you just said, that is because I have decided to focus after exploring every treatment, surgery, whatever possible for now, I've left no stone unturned, is that this is it. I've, this is something I have to live with. And then I had to work a whole lot in that mental headspace on saying, well, what can I focus on? Like you said today to make me feel okay, what is going to light me up? And that is surprise, surprise, talking to you and helping women. I didn't know that was going to be a thing, but it does. And so I think every single woman listening right now can do the same. If what lights you up is to write a book, if it's to, I don't know, start singing, whatever it is, or start working on something, you know, like a digital product for you that you can do online because you can't work and stand, it can happen. Like it takes work right? I've read, how many books do you have to read on self-help? I've got a bookshelf full of them, but it works because you, you, you learn to live this adjusted life, but we only get one life. It's too short. You have to embrace it. It's hard for women just starting the journey. I get you because I was the, I was crying on the floor, 
really angry. I was pissed off that I couldn't run my, with my baby in my pram as well. I've been there, but now I'm here. That's why everything you just said, I was like, yes, yes, go Kat. That's amazing. <laughs> so good. So good. And I'd love to ask Steph, exercise-wise, what do you do at the moment? Yeah, perfect. I've tried, because I was a triathlete before a baby. So I've tried to return to swimming thinking that the buoyancy of the water would assist. Nope. The rotational breathing just made the prolapse bounce up and down like a yo-yo. Tried cycling, same thing. I'm kind of sitting on the prolapse so much that it's uncomfortable in the whole pelvic region. And of course, running, forget it. It's hard enough to walk to the letterbox. So I did rehab, Pilates rehab postnatally then in the corner she had this contraption and I'm like what's that thing she goes that's called a Pilates reformer bed like get me on that that looks good so I now have one in my house with our first lockdown after two years I was going to physio three times a week and just like you said I mean that all costs a, a fortune by the way like you said when you go home if you don't have that there like an online course or someone to guide you you just don't do it when you have more kids you just find time not to go not to do it if someone's sick you don't go which is why the decision was made to have one here and that what I know even though I can't fix my prolapse keeps every other surrounding muscle my glutes my cords core everything strong as strong as it can possibly be so that's what I do to manage Brilliant. I love that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) So good. So I love that we've had this chance to chat today and I do really encourage anyone if you are unsure, even if you've got a prolapse, but you might have some symptoms. And like Kath said, send her a DM. And especially if you're in Australia, I would imagine capital cities, she will be able to put you in contact with some reputable women's health physios. I do love that we're seeing more of them. There's more of you. That's great. And also, if you're not sure what's, if you need to see a pelvic floor physio, I do have a pelvic health checklist. It's a really simple yes, no um, answer checklist where I just go through symptoms. If you answer yes to any of the questions, then I do recommend you seek help from your local physio. So if you want to check that out, that's at fitnessmama.com forward slash checklist. Amazing. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. We hope to chat again in the future and see where things are up to for you. But for now, if anyone wants to check you out, make sure you go and visit her website. Thanks, Steph. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Kath. I hope you will agree that you can feel Kath's energy. Obviously, when we're talking to her, I can see her on the screen. So there's an extra element to her energy when she talks about being able to help women. And I can tell you from a podcaster's perspective, for someone who can have an online course, still see people face-to-face, be a mum of three children, and have a podcast, the amount of energy that is required that goes into that goes beyond enthusiasm. It's... It's a passion. And I definitely got that from this conversation with Kath. She is beyond passionate to help people just like you, just like me, living with prolapse. And the number one thing I love the most from this entire conversation, which links to last week's episode as well, it's about finding something that lights you up. Prolapse is not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be the end of your journey. Yes, I'll acknowledge it again. It can feel like it's the end of the world as you knew it at that point in time. I get that. 
the world as I knew it in 2015 stopped at the very moment I gave birth to my daughter. And since then, I've had to work every single day consistently to find my new normal, new ways to make me feel good, new ways to light me up. And it goes beyond the podcast. There are other things I love doing too now that I never really loved before. They're things that physically don't take a lot of energy. Things like reading. Reading has become a new thing that lights me up. When I get a new book, and thankfully I get sent a lot of books in this space, I do love it. I like to read for information. So I'm not a big fan of fiction, but give me a non-fiction book anytime and I will put my head in it and just love it. I go to bed, I read a couple of pages, generally fall asleep pretty quick, but then when I wake up, I want to get back to it. And I feel excited when I block out 20 minutes in my whole week calendar to say, okay, everyone, mommy's going in the studio and she's just going to read. Do not disturb. Putting myself first, allowing that time to rest the body, but then also the thing that lights me up is learning something new. Being able to read a book and take away knowledge, it has endless possibilities. It lets your mind think things beyond the set way of thinking and doing the nine to five, you know. I'm already thinking about all the things that I could possibly do, not only within our current community of women, but beyond that. My education background for 20 years, and what we know now is that we've got teachers who are leaving the profession in droves because of the overwhelm. I could help coach those women in that overwhelm. And that's why I'm constantly reading and doing in the capacity that I can, because I know coaching someone face-to-face via Zoom, guess what? Physically, I could do that. Mentally, lights me up. Just wanted to share that. It may not ever happen. I don't know. But I'm just saying, opening your mind to some possibilities, some other opportunities to make you feel good. Because as you know, Mama, you deserve that. Okay, ladies, you know that this show really has a strong focus on prevention So looking after your pelvic floor should start before you even think about becoming pregnant. Did you know that the Continents Foundation of Australia have a free pelvic floor health booklet and it's for expectant and new mums? You can download it now for free from www.continents.org.au or just pick up the phone and call the National Continents Helpline on 1800 33 double zero double six and you can get free and confidential advice too we would like to thank the continents foundation for their support go and get the help you deserve until next week bye for now Babe, mama.